Good morning and welcome to the manual. It's Monday, Monday or Monday, however you want to call it. It is raining where I'm at. It's kind of windy and it's a little dark. And I actually like that. I actually take solace for many days. One of the things I like about seasons, I like about weather. Not a fan of spring, though, because I have allergies. But in the onset, I like rainy days. Since I was a kid, I liked the fact that I could stay in or I can go out, depending on if I want to play in the rain or not. If it's a hardcore thunderstorm, I would just sit in the window and watch the raindrops fall because I was told that was God crying. God was crying. God was sad about something. I'm like, oh, she cries that much? <laughs> yeah, God cries that much because there's a lot of us on the planet. But rainy days is not what I'm talking about this morning. It's just kind of my intro to a few things uh, before I start on my subject this morning. Um, I want to make some changes to the podcast. Um, been getting some feedback on a few things. Um, there has been a argument about some subject matter being too long or too short. So I'm going to find a comfortable medium so I can get uh, everything out that I can. A lot of... Um, the stuff that I'll do if I'm doing one of these TED Talks <laughs> will be I'll probably limit it to about a half an hour, no more than 45 minutes. So that way, if you're driving to work, if you're still working out there, if you're driving to work, that you can get this stuff in before you get to your destination or it's you know something that you can do quickly. Um, I try not to have the ones run too long, but I've had a couple of hour and 45 minutes talks with guests and I'm going to try to streamline that so to get it down to a more comfortable pace and not have you captive for too long. We all have lives. I get it. I understand. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I have gotten a lot of requests to, you know, make sure the content um, flows and make sure that it that it is good. Um, part of that is that if you're going to come on as a guest, I need you to have uh, your topic ready to go because uh, I will engage as much as I can in talking with you but I don't want to engage to the point where I'm leading the conversation more or less I want to kind of engage with that conversation this podcast was, was intended to us for us to talk as if we're having a cup of coffee or for or, or we're having a, a drink together you know it's a happy hour we're gonna have some subject matter that might be a little controversial and edgy but at the end of the day we're sitting and talking we're sitting and talking in a comfortable space. So I'll get the ground rules out prior to us getting on, except for getting your topic, because I'm a big believer at the core of what I'm doing is I don't want to know what you're going to talk about. I don't want to know how I'm going to formulate my ideas and my thoughts and how I'm going to bounce back from what you say. I want that to be a natural response, at least for me, at least for me. I don't I could be caught off guard. That's fine. I don't want you caught off guard if, if it's your subject and your topic or your idea because it's not about these these inspirational talks or these unpacking thoughts it's about whatever you want to talk about if you are in business if you're looking to drive business if you're looking to create new business for yourself this is an opportunity for me to do so with you i don't have a million listeners i'm not getting on and saying that but i do have reach where i'm getting into different markets and it's happening faster than I would have ever imagined this happening. So it's, you know, it's just another way for you to kind of expand your thoughts and expand your ideas. Um, if you wanted me to send this 
talk or whatever to someone that you know, they'll hear you on the podcast. They'll hear what you are engaging in. They'll hear about what you're doing and kind of how things are going for you. So had a great weekend. Didn't do too much. Um, actually did some gaming and got a great workout. And I'm actually still sore. I got to do some rehab today on, I'll still work out, but I got to do some rehab on, on the legs. I don't, I don't believe in leg day. I have fantastic legs. So don't believe in leg day, but my legs took a beating from the band workout that I did this weekend with exercise bands. And any of you that want to train, feel free to hit me up. I gave you my information. Um, and I'll, I can do any virtual training. I can train pretty much anyone, anywhere. Um, and it's affordable. You know, we can discuss compensation. Um, if you're looking to do something once in a while or on a regular schedule, I'd be more than happy to be your trainer. We do a consultation first um, to make sure that we fit. Uh, people don't realize that when you pick a trainer or you pick a doctor, you have to make sure that that person and you have a, a good energy, have good vibe. If not, then you'll you'll hate going to see them. You'll hate going to see them. I had a dentist that his breath used to stink. I'm like, how the hell does your breath stink as a dentist? What the, how? But even with the mask on, it made it worse. So I, I just hated going to see this dude. It was ridiculous. But anyway, so um, I'm going to be doing some streamlining and kind of um, getting through. I got this is the last episode of this season. So thank you guys for letting me crank out 23 episodes. Wow. It's crazy. So yeah, 23. I was going to go to 25, but then I, I didn't want to um, just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. But I wanted to get out the first season and see how things went. And the reception has been great. I've gotten some great feedback. I've gotten just one Patrick. <laughs> Fuck you, Patrick. But um, I've gotten one Patrick, which means that I'm reaching a bigger audience than I expected. And I'll welcome that. I'll welcome the Patricks of the world to, to voice your opinion. And of course, you're always invited to state your side of things. And I don't mind if you get on the show. Just be respectful to to me. I'll be respectful to you. We can still trade jabs and barbs and all that kind of good stuff. But I don't want this to be something of, um, of a great debate. We can debate, but not to the lengths of we're trying to destroy each other because that's not what I've intended to do with this. Okay, so I'll give you guys some updates as how things are changing. Um, I have a client roster that I'm building right now. I have a few people that are going to be regulars on the show um, and I'm going to be switching gears for season two. Season two will be kind of um, exciting time for me because it's, it's, you know, I've got some experience now talking a little bit. And I'll be able to get better at doing this. And if you know, if you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know too. It, it's cool. Um, today, I want to talk about um, property. I'm sorry, personal training. I'm also thinking about property management. Personal training. Um, it's the field that I work in now. As I mentioned to you guys on a few um, episodes, it is a field that um, it's very different from any, anything else that I've done. Um, I've done quite a few things in my life, but personal training is one of the passions that I have. Uh, I decided to become a personal trainer about seven, eight years ago. And when I did, it was something that I knew nothing about because the training that I had growing up wasn't like the training that these kids have now. These kids have now training where it's 
all around the clock. They're playing AAU basketball. They're in wrestling camps. They're in football camps. They're trying to get the scholarships to high schools, to colleges, and all that kind of stuff. So they're paying a lot of money. They're paying thousands upon thousands of dollars to get the edge, you know, to shave a little bit of time off that 40, get that jump shot just perfect, or have a a gateway to get into school and it's not about sports anymore. It's about being in school. If I had a couple of athletes that I've trained where I'm catching up two, three years later, thinking that they're still playing basketball or still swimming or whatever they're doing and finding out that they've since stopped that. They're actually just on the school track. It was a way for them to get into school. I'm not knocking that because you, you don't go to college to play football. You go to college to get a degree, hopefully, if that's your thing. So personal training has has been a passion and I've always said about passions and hobbies that you should monetize it if you can. You know, why not get paid to do things that you already enjoy, things that you already do for fun? Just get paid for it. Now, in doing so, it is a business approach that you that you need to have to be a personal trainer, Um, because most of the clubs that you may work for, if you decide to go to the big box gyms, big box gyms are the gold's gyms, the. LA Fitness, you know, they call them a big box because they're a um, a chain or a corporate entity in most uh, regards. And if you go to a big box gym um, as the new trainer, you'll find a lot of things that are happening in these big boxes. There's a, a collection of trainers dealing from these super intelligent, uh, you know, they have every alphabet. Sorry, they their letters create every every letter of the alphabet in their title. Or you're going to have someone who basically is just kind of there to make some money. They don't really care about how they program. They don't care about who they talk to, who they meet, who they train, basically. Okay. So I'm going to discuss a few things about personal training, good and bad, that I've encountered um, in doing so because I do it for a living. It's a a full-time situation for me for the last couple of years, and it has been rewarding. It has been something I've I've gained um, some notoriety. I've also gained um, monetarily um, an advantage um, that I wouldn't normally have. And one of the things that I guess I'll preface with, the number one thing I enjoy about being a personal trainer is that, well, actually two, so it's one and one A, um, is that I work for myself technically, air quotes. I got to kind of just dissect that for a second. So when I say work for myself is meaning that I may work for a, I work for a a gym now or a sports facility now, but I do get to have my own time to train and also to build business uh, because I won't always be at this place. You know, nothing lasts forever. So getting the experience that I'm getting um, through interactions with other trainers, um, you know, the book studies that I still have to do and preparing myself for my next venture you know, it's all a practice, as we say with doctors and lawyers. Are you in practice? I always thought that was funny. You're practicing, so you're not a pro yet. You don't know what you're doing. No, no, it's in practicing. It's just kind of staying in the habit. Oh, okay, okay. That's like monks and priests and nuns, right? The habit. <laughs> Crazy. So when I first decided to become a personal trainer, um, I didn't really tell anybody that I was doing it except for the person that kind of mentored me into it. So Rob, if you're listening... Uh, thanks, man. I mean, it was probably one of the best decisions that you helped me make for myself. 
because I had no clue. I watched what you did and looked amazing, but I didn't realize the hard work that goes into it. It's the proverbial duck on the pond. Feet is moving real, real fast, but the duck's sitting quiet. The water's still, you know? So in watching what you were doing, asking a lot of the questions, having you train me from time to time, um, it became something I'm like, wow, it's not that I can do this. It's like, I want to do this. And Rob was a guy that, um, he worked at a gym that was across from a property I was managing in New Jersey, in Inglewood, New Jersey. And Rob actually went to high school, the same high school I went to, but he went to the high school years before I did. And when it was in a different location, but we had that in common that, when talking one day, we he found out that I went to that high school. He said, like, "Oh, I, I did too. He's class or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." So we had a bond, we had a kind of connection. But he was a athletic trainer, and what an athletic trainer is, is his niche were training athletes, whether they were in their off season or whether they were in their in season, post season, and preseason. There's the four things. Uh, so I want to touch on a couple of. Uh, fundamental things about training that you guys may may have heard or don't know about um, because everyone tends to pick up a magazine or jump on an app to train but it is not that easy for most people and for most people it is a anxiety thing to train weights give them anxiety um, a lot of people I would say a good 50% of people uh, that I worked with had said to me at one time or another Oh my God, I didn't realize lifting weights was was like this. It's actually pretty cool. Because they've walked into a gym, and we all have. I walk into a gym every day, and I see people bro lifting. Bro, 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 do like this, bro. And it's all bro science. And I'm like, what? Four guys in a circle, and they're pushing each other to do incredible weight that only maybe one of them can actually do. But they think that they're all getting gains. So for all you bro science dudes out there, stop it. Like the Jordan, <laughs> the Jordan thing on, uh, on, on YouTube says on those, on those gym fail videos, stop it. Get some help. Kidding, not kidding. But so becoming a personal trainer, switching gears from the business world to, to that was a magic trick. And when I say magic trick, I had to pull off going from one way of being business concepts all day, dealing with a certain type of a thing to going to dealing with anatomy, a lot of anatomy, uh, dealing with training principles and philosophies. There's so many of those things and dealing with the overall science of it, how the body works, how anatomy plays the part, uh, you know, genetics, things of that nature. So in personal training, whether you're training at a big box gym with a personal trainer or you hire a personal trainer outside of the gym to work with you. Um, and I always say work with you, not for you. You're not working for the trainer. The trainer's working for you. But in a deeper sense, the trainer's working with you. There's a difference there. There's people, I think people get that kind of mixed up all the time is that they don't understand that you hired a person to help you. This person should be invested in you, invested in your uh, overall, your safety. It's the number one rule of the day. But they're also, they also should be invested in, in that you get to your goal. Now, some people come with unrealistic goals. You know, you'll have someone who is trying to lose 80 pounds, 
come to you and says, hey, it's, you know, it's May 18th. I want to lose 80 pounds by Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't work like that. I can give you the best nutrition advice in the world. I can train you seven days a week. Hardcore. You may or may not achieve that goal, but it's, it's how safely can you get there? What damage am I going to do to you? When I'm, am I going to hurt your heart? Am I going to, you know, do something to you where you suffer a setback? You get injured because I'm pushing you too hard. So when you realize whatever your goals are and you talk to your trainer, sit and talk to them. T- tell, tell him and her about what has happened in the past, successes, failures, who you've worked with. You know, you don't have to get in, into like the person's bio, but you can say, well, the trainer I had prior, uh, their philosophy was this. Because not knowing what someone does and how well they do it, that may or may not help you. You may say to yourself, okay, I've seen the clients you have. They look amazing, this, that, and the other. And then you start working with this person and you realize, oh, I don't know what's great about this person. We've all done it. We've all had somebody in some form of business, a lawyer, um, a realtor, um, a trainer, where we hear so so many great things about this person and they may not add up to the advertising or they're actually better than advertised because I always flip it and say, hey, you know, it's not always the dark side of things. Like, wow, like they really undersold you because you are amazing trainer. The greatest compliment I've ever gotten as a, a rookie trainer was I had someone watching me, I guess, for two months, just about. And they came up to me to start a conversation as I was waiting for a client to come in. And they said to me, hey, um, I've watched the trainers here. Everyone's pretty fantastic. But every time I see your work, you're, you're having people do different things that I've even I've never even seen before. You're pushing your clients to do things that I don't even think that they knew that they could do. And he's right. He was right. Once I can get that fear out of your head that that it's okay to fail, you know, the fear of failing, then I know I can push you to do things fun. You know, no one wants to stand up and do 50 bicep curls. Just don't point to that. But using different modalities, which are different exercise, um, stimulus, equipment, Using different modalities um, makes it fun where you want to show up to your workout ready to go. You, you, know, you don't want to say, oh, God, it's chest day. It's Monday. You got to go in there and do chest, 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 chest. No, no, we'll do chest, but we'll also do some shoulders and we'll maybe do arms. I don't adhere to the chest day, the leg day. To me, as a you know, fight fan and boxing trainer and all that kind of stuff, every day is leg day. I'm on my feet every day. So why would I say... I'm going to dedicate this day to be leg day. I always do one one or two leg exercises when I'm training for myself. And I love band work. I love using mini bands. So this person gave me that compliment. And then I started getting these compliments a lot. Because I don't know if they plan to see it in my head that I need to, that people are watching and I need to keep it fresh and exciting. But I started getting other people to say, hey, man, that's, you know, what you're doing is great. And that's not to um, say the other trainers weren't great. They were fantastic people. And again, mind you, I'm coming from a place of 
they were going to school for this their entire lives. They wanted to do this. I came on as a part-time kind of person, kind of trying to get my beak wet. And in doing so, I'm coming across and I'm soaking up it like a sponge, all the knowledge, because I am the rookie. I am the person that doesn't know what they know. I haven't studied all of that stuff yet. But but by now, it's been a while since that conversation I've evolved into something else. And my clientele, um, whether we train still or not, they've become part of my family. I call them my fit family. You know, where they can call me two years later and says, hey, I'm working with a trainer and this happened or, you know, what do you feel about this? They're bouncing stuff off of me and I feel like an expert now. I'm like, oh, I'm not an expert yet. <laughs> I'm not a master trainer yet, but I'm, I appreciate that you're taking the time to involve me in what's going on with you, you know, because I'm always going to be a trainer. I'm always going to be a trainer. I'm always going to, you know, want to know how you're doing. I want I want to know, you know, where you are now, how how your goals are, are evolving, because your goals um, should never be temporary. Um, I had a trainer, friend, colleague, co-worker say to us one time in a meeting that they don't call um, goals goals when it comes to training. It's called a milestone because a goal means that it's it's the end game. You've gotten there. You've reached the, you know, I've lost 80 pounds. Great. What's next? I don't know what's next. <laughs> it's your what's next. What do you want to do next? Because in order to not gain back some of that 80, you need to do something else. You need to find another goal. But if I say that's a milestone, then we reached we reached our first benchmark. We reached our, our milestone. First, it was to lose 80 pounds. Next goal might be to run a half marathon. Or you want to lose the 80 pounds and put on some more rip. It's up to you. That's not up to me. As your trainer, I am, I am, you're giving me the paint on a blank canvas for me to paint it. But you are the masterpiece. You're the masterpiece. And it's my job to kind of get you there to become this masterpiece. So going back to becoming a trainer from coming from another industry, um, I had to pick a field or field of study that I, I wanted to excel at because trainers do a, a whole lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to kind of find your niche. And in doing so, something that you're really good at. And this is just not for training. This is in life. If you do a whole bunch of things, find one or two things that you're really, really good at and become really, really good at that. And then the other things that you can do, you can, you know, kind of touch base and, and, and you're involved in that. But the things that you can do very well, whether you train cyclists, whether you train swimmers, you train boxers, MMA artists, um, you know, do that well. Become that. So I went through NASM, which is the National Academy of Sports Medicine. They have a very, very good curriculum. Um, it is a very strenuous um, process. Um, and when I say that, it's because, again, I'm using my learning curve coming from a whole nother world. So it was by the grace of God that I, I was interested in some of this stuff that I was reading because it made no sense to me. VO2 max. BMR equation for this, that, 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 that. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to pass this test? Because all I, all I knew about training was going to a gym, grab some weights and work out, leave. I didn't know 
the science that comes into it, the rest periods. You know, if my body's super sore, should I still push through another set? Should I go in again tomorrow and destroy my muscle fibers again? I had no clue. I had no clue. I was like, yo, you know what? Because back in the day when I was a kid, and even worse to say this, playing sports as a kid, you may have one coach that actually knew how to coach. The other people were, they were part-timers. It still happens today. They were part-time people that worked in other industries that just kind of helped out with the team because the team needed more people to, uh, to assist the coach. But they knew nothing of coaching. They knew nothing about nutrition. They knew nothing about weight training, strength training, conditioning, all of that stuff. And I'm surprised. I'm so surprised that I didn't hurt myself really badly or any one of my teammates that when we were kids playing sports didn't get injured pretty bad. It was by the grace of God because I, I look at, you know, what con- concussion protocol was back then. They literally asked you three things. Where are you? Meaning geographically. Where, what city you're, are you in? Who's the president currently? And what time of day it was, whether it's night, it's day, it's morning. And I don't know if that was a um, countrywide thing, statewide. I don't know where these questions used to come from. But it is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. And even worse, um, for those of you that saw um, any of the Creed boxing movies, um, there was something that was done in that movie that was actually a real thing. And it was when um, Donnie was knocked down and he had to count. He had to show the referee that he wasn't he wasn't hurt. The referee held up three fingers and he asked him, how many fingers do you see? And I think they tapped the back of his head three times so that he knows he saw three. Now, this man probably clearly shouldn't have gone back into the next round, but you did what you needed to do to win. So the athlete of today, you guys need to understand, you guys have everything at your disposal. You have state-of-the-art equipment. You know, you have trainers that are the best of the best in their fields. You know, you have trainers that are that are PhD level people training you when we didn't have that, you know, and we did fine. But, you know, it's good to have that. It's good to have proper foundation in, in, in what you're doing. So going back to NASM study, I said, OK, NASM, I'll, I'll do that because they seem re- reputable and they seem um, efficient. So I kind of went through their protocols. I got their CPT, which is a certified personal trainer. I went and got an MMACS, which is a mixed martial arts conditioning specialist. So I, I, I can run a mixed martial arts training camp. I can put you through those type of workouts. I can design and program as if I'm training an athlete and fight combat sports. It's probably one of my favorite certifications that I have because I, I get creative in what I can do with it. I also have the PES, which is a performance enhancement specialist. And that is basically working with anyone um, sports related, um, high intense sports. Um, You don't train a volleyball player the same way you train a soccer player. Two different, you know, dynamic movement patterns. And you have to play to their strengths. So training protocols and training for that is is pretty cool. I also have a neuromuscular stretching um, certification. I also have goniometric and that's, that's one I probably don't even use a lot. 
Um, but I'm currently um, testing now for the CES, which is corrective exercise. The CES and the PES were two that I wanted to couple together because in training, the injury, the injury continuum is something that is um, relative to sports performance. So kind of rounding everything around, around Robin situation, I wanted to be able to, if my athlete was, was injured, if he or she was injured during our training cycle, that I can incorporate corrective exercise techniques. Now, everyone under the sound of my voice who is a uh, gym rat, air quotes, or a not a weekend warrior, but you kind of work out a lot, uh, you've developed a lot of compensation. It's a normal thing. Everyone has an injured shoulder, a hip, a knee, a toe, whatever. Something, something is, something is not quite working right. But we don't take the time to correctively um, address that. And corrective exercise is something that, if you haven't heard the term or haven't incorporated, I, I assure you, please do it because it will pay dividends and it will give you. Uh, extra mobility, it'll 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 change the game for you. It's a game changer. Corrective exercises. You can pretty much Google this stuff. You can jump on YouTube. IG has tons of pages dedicated to corrective exercises on how to how to um you know fix certain things that that are going wrong with you. You know, because if you work out long enough, you will develop these imbalances, muscle imbalances. So I got all of this information and and I'm currently also taking a group certification, which is long overdue. And I'm working on a behavioral certification as well, because I wanted to take this time to understand in the psyche of a person what's going on, like what makes them want to train and not want to train and stuff like that. So to kind of have that. The only thing that I, I, I don't pursue, and this is kind of a, a personal thing, is, is the nutrition aspect of it. I know enough about nutrition for myself, and I know enough to have a basic conversation with somebody. But nutrition is one of those things that I personally believe in. Any trainer that's out there, please do not take this as a slight or a slant, is that if you if you have a trainer that, that's working with you that has a nutrition background, um, if they have a degree in, in nutrition, awesome. That's great. That's great because they have a wealth of knowledge for you. But there are so many certifications out there that don't address the full spectrum of nutrition. It kind of gives you a basic thing. So, you know, if you're going to pick one, I think uh, there's only one or two that are the gold standard. And I think precision nutrition is number one. And I can't remember who number two is. So you got the gold standard Um, because they kind of give you a longer and more in-depth approach versus taking a weekend course and all of a sudden you're a nutritionist because a lot of things come into nutrition that we don't take into um, uh, interview. Like basically everyone has a BMR, right? That's your basic basal metabolic rate. And what, what your BMR is, you've probably heard the term, not heard the term, but at a minimum, your body needs certain caloric needs. It needs a number. Everyone has a number. The more active you are, the higher your BMR is going to be, meaning how many calories you take. I am about 230 pounds. I put on a little bit of weight during this this lockdown. I got to work on it. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. But um, every day I need to eat roughly about 1,900, let's call it 2,000 calories a day to sustain my weight, to sustain me functioning normally. 
if I get 900 calories in, I may not be a happy camper. If I get no calories in, I'm probably a grizzly bear at that point. And the one thing about nutrition is that people don't understand in order to lose weight, you don't starve yourself. You need to eat. You actually need to eat. You need to eat the right amount of stuff, right amount of calories. Your body requires energy. Think of firewood. If we're if we're in the middle of the woods and it's freezing cold and I throw one log on a piece of fire and we're standing in front of it, we may not feel it, you know, just great yet. But if I threw on 10 pieces, we can actually step back and bask in that in that radiance. So understand your BMR. And there's ways of calculating this. Uh, actually, the agent has made it very easy. You can just uh, Google a BMR calculator, put in your age, your weight, your height. Be honest, you know, how tall you are. Be honest on how much you weigh. And it kind of gives you a ballpark of what, of what your BMR is. Now, you can go get measured by EMP. Uh, 180 in those in those places, or if you have a scale, they're savvy enough. They're selling them now at a, at a at great prices. Before they used to be really expensive, but it'll give you your BMR or close to it, give or take 100 calories or so. But understanding how much you're eating, what you're eating, um, you know the wasted calories. People don't count the liquid calories that they that that they ingest as well because they're drinking a green tea frappuccino i used to do this every morning and not realizing that that's 400 calories off the rip starting my day but i work in a gym environment where i am going to burn through that in about two to three hours just just moving around and if you are someone that has a sit-down job god help you because if you eat a lot breakfast lunch and dinner depending on how you work and the frequency of it if you're not getting any any movement, you, you're not only pinning your hips down and, and putting your back and spine and um, posture at risk, but you are just eating and then sitting. There's no way to burn that stuff off. Now, we burn calories by laughing, ha, 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 doing things, getting up, going to the fridge, you know, moving your body, but not as much as whatever you're taking in you should be burning off. So it's an ebb and flow. It's a it's a delicate balance of understanding. But I would say 90% of a really good plan is knowing your nutritional needs or someone providing that to you. And you learn how to do that for yourself because you're not always going to have a trainer. You're not always going to have someone lording over you to say, hey, are you eating enough? Because the one thing that we that we do is we come up with these diets. Oh, I'm going to do keto. I'm going to do... I'm going to do um, the caveman diet, paleo. I'm going to do in, um, intermittent fasting. So depending on what's good for you, you got to understand a few things. There's actually even new science about eating for your blood type. So um, everyone has, you know, a blood type and you may not agree with certain foods because your blood type allows that. You know, you may be anemic you know, you may be hypoglycemic. I don't know. A lot of things affect how we do that. But everyone has a relationship with food that starts when we're a little kid. You know, I don't like peas, mom. I don't, I don't want peas. I want to eat bacon for breakfast every morning. No, you can't do that. You got to have you got to have a, a omelet with some spinach in it or something. You got to have something to that effect. The body needs it. Um, and for those who cannot um, always eat healthy, uh, don't don't supplement supplements. Don't don't 
make everything about popping a pill or drinking a powder. Uh, those are good things to have as an auxiliary, excuse me, but not as your mainstay. You know, uh, meal replacement shakes should never always be a meal. It's a once in a while kind of thing that you should do. But every every day at noon, you shouldn't be just drinking a shake. You know, you just I mean, that's my personal opinion. You know, you could take that for what you want. But eat food, eat good food, learn to cook what you like. Everything can be hacked. There's a page on IG called Unprocess Your Food. I'm giving them a shameless plug. Um, but you can make any dessert, any meal that you normally like, you can just make it a different way. Like, for instance, I like, during football season, I love nachos. I love, you know, so I'll make power nachos. And what I'll do is basically do, you know, ground turkey, some tortillas, fresh guacamole, salsa, and instead of sour cream, I'll do plain Greek yogurt. I know it doesn't sound too sexy, but it helps. It helps the waistline. It makes me think I'm I'm having a great time eating what I like. It's like me drinking uh, beer, but it's old duels. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating now, but you kind of get the picture when I'm where I'm going with it. Um, I make my own protein bars. Instead of giving Quest all that money for some scientific names I have no way I need a degree to, to, to pronounce, I'll just make my own protein bars. I know what's exactly in it. And it's actually pretty easy. You just get a, a big can of Quaker oats. That's your main ingredient. A couple of scoops of protein powder, whatever your protein powder is. And then whatever, whatever ingredients you want to go from that point. And also some water. But if you want chocolate chip morsels, if you want shaved almonds, if you want crushed walnuts, if you want dried blueberries, if you want um, strawberries, you can mix all this stuff up. If you want peanut butter, mix it up into a bowl, add a little bit of water for cohesion, and you cut them into cookies, make protein balls or bars, but don't bake them. I learned that a few years ago that when you bake them, you lose some of the, it loses a lot of its, um, its minerals and, and vitamins and the good stuff kind of gets burned away, gets cooked away. And it also dries it out too much. So make it where you have it not soggy or soupy, but it's not it's not dry either. And you'll perfect it. First time out, you may be a rock star and it's amazing or, you know, it didn't quite come out the way. But don't give up. Keep trying because you know exactly what's in these bars because you made them and you might have made them with eight ingredients. And what you spent to make these bars is probably going to save you a lot more money than buying these bars every day. And the cleanup is probably the worst part of it. That's I'm, I'm not going to mince words. The cleanup sucks. But again, it's for your waistline. So in becoming a trainer, I got to kind of live outside of myself. I got to... Uh, learn some concepts and practice what I preached. I got to get myself in incredible shape at one point. Um, and anytime that I need to challenge myself, I am my own trainer. But I also have a trainer. Trainers have trainers. Don't don't be fooled by that. Trainers have trainers. We all kind of get together and we're talking shop and we're showing each other the newest and latest or we're showing people things that you haven't probably thought about doing. 
So trainers have trainers. We work out together. We learn, at least I do. I learn from everybody that I come into contact with when I'm training because I'm like, man, I, I took away not only a great workout, but some great ideas to do with my clients. I took away some great things that I, you know, can incorporate later on in life for a new challenge and in, in, in that regard. So when it comes to personal training, if you're thinking about a career in personal training, you got to understand that building your business it first starts with you. It first starts with how you can sell yourself. You, you are your walking billboard. Your clients are your walking billboards. You know, you know, get them to, to refer people to you. But in getting credentialed, understand there's a there's a um, a very vast amount of things you, you can become good at and you can be certified in. But pick things that are relevant to you you know if you want to work with a certain population of people if you want to work with the senior population or you want to work with children pursue those things that are helping children the newest thing that is coming out of this pandemic is the linking a um a health and mental health together to to put in into 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 view a lot of people um have anxiety when they don't exercise exercise is a um, peculiar phenomenon and one of the byproducts of exercise is to basically foster good feelings bring you off you know bring you down uh, off of depression and anxiety and kind of you know level you off and I hate when people say I didn't have a great workout because I didn't sweat what sweating has nothing to do with a great workout because sweating is just a your body's response to internal temperature, tissue temperature going up. It has to it has to vent it has to to cool itself down. So you you sweat. I sweat within minutes of working out. I don't know. I just sweat. And you know, one of the things that you need to understand about your body is that it looks like other people, you know, everyone, but everyone responds to exercise different. And one of the hardest talks that a trainer can have with you is is about your genetics. You know. They may not be a, a expert on genetics, but we understand how genetics work. It doesn't matter how hard someone works out in some cases. They may not develop the washboard abs, even if they have a clean, clean, clean diet. You know, they may get a four pack, not a six. Some guys can get an eight. God, I hate, I hate you guys to get, get the eight. Oh, you guys have no idea. If I had an eight, I wouldn't walk around with a shirt. It would be Chippendales all day. Bow tie all day. I guarantee you. But genetics plays a role. The next time you're at a family reunion or a family function where a large gathering of your family is, look around the room. Because if you don't change what you're doing, that is what you're going to look like. If you don't know that already, that is what you're going to look like. And that's not a knock on anyone to say, oh, everyone looks bad. No. But if you have family members who are who look older than they are because they drink they've been drinking since they were young people then you understand what I'm saying to you because then you might have that it's it's a family function we're all you know we're all drinking we're all having a good time but again people look like each other we are we all have a genetic footprint you know I'm not a genetics professor I'm not a I'm not I'm not you know Getting into, into all of that. I'm just saying from hindsight. 2020. So 
so in becoming a trainer, you got to understand, you know, to to build yourself up as much as you can and then seek out the clientele you want to work with. Now, this is the gray area that I always tell people um, that's it's kind of a funny it's kind of a funny thing is that you can't discriminate or you shouldn't discriminate on who you want to work with. But if you know that you are a person that has no patience, you better learn some patience because people are paying you to be patient. To be understanding, to be civil. People are doing, you know, people are paying you for that. So if you are easily unhinged, then this may not be for you. Not everybody wants the drill sergeant. Let's go, let's get it. Not everybody wants that bullshit. But then, not everybody wants. Hey, the Bob Ross. Hey, that's a great, great set. Let's do another one. I don't want that bullshit either. You want to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable uh, what you're given to do. You want to be comfortable in giving them things to do that they can do within their skill set. Be you know, train somebody as if you would want to train yourself. That's all. I, that's all I say. That's the that's the, that's my golden rule. That's my golden rule. I try to keep doing a lot of um, things on training, uh, different having people on talking about different ways to train. But I want to give you an introduction on on how I look at personal training and from the vantage point of, you know, the good things about it. Now, before I close, I want to address some of the bad things that um, I've encountered. And I I can't speak for the entire industry. I'm only speaking for Cleve when it comes to this. Um, One of the things and this is when you work for a, a big box gym, depending on who you decide to work for, if you're not going the boutique route, like a small gym or going independent. Independent is always good, but then you have to understand that you have to have another source of income to help sustain you until you get your clientele up. Um, so I wouldn't say go independent right away. Go independent after a couple of years or some time in a big box gym to kind of learn the ins and outs of the business and then take the chance of going you know, on your own. Um, some people um, can team up with other trainers. Like I, I'm in a position now, if I, if I know someone that's becoming a trainer... And I, you know, I'm cool with them. I can get them into working with me and some of my clientele to kind of get them, um, you know, moving in the right direction. It's just like a mentorship type of thing. So if anybody out there who wants to become a trainer, hit me up and we can, you know, we can talk about different things. But what I don't like about personal training is that you are... You make your own schedule, but then you're at the mercy of the schedule of people that really want to work with you, you know, and they're paying you good money, you know, and if you're paying good money and I'm going to talk about my current job now, it's $140 a session where I work. It's a lot of money to see me twice a week, three times a week. That's a lot of money. And I have to always be prepared to have a schedule shift. You know, I may have to work, you know, get up. This person might say for the next two months, my job sh- uh, switched me to working uh, in the mornings and I want to get a workout in before I go to work, which means I go to work at 730. Can you train me at five or six? I'm like, whoa, now I got to get up because they're paying me. They're paying my bills. They That pays my car note. That pays my mortgage. That pays my rent. That pays for food on my table. I'm at the mercy of that. I have to be able to switch. I can't tell them, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. Okay, well, 
the trainer over there, it'll work for that person just as just, just as good. You just gave money to someone else. So know your schedule, know your clients, be able to pivot. And, you know, it ain't forever, but, you know, or establish that in, in the onset that, listen, you know, I have prior engagements or I do something in the morning where I wouldn't be able to train you this early. So, you know, that way that bridge, when that bridge needs to be crossed, that you've already got a plan of action ready to go. The other thing about it is that, you have clients that will hire you, but then pretty much tell you how to do your job. They won't trust the process because they are someone who is in a position of power or in their in, in their world, they are a major decision maker and they would want to tell you how things are going. And if they're not hitting certain milestones, that's the word that we want to use now, then they're going to look at you like, oh, you're not doing your job right. No, I am doing my job right. You're just telling me every step of the way what you don't want to do. If someone can't do something, that's different from don't want to. So you may have to have that talk with a person that says, hey, listen, we've been working together for three months. We've had minimal progress. It may not be all on you. It may be how my program is. So let's look at the programming. Let's let's look to switch gears. And if another three months go by and it's still the same thing because they're telling you and you're trying to cater to that, you may have to say, look, you know, let's just cut ties. No hard feelings. I appreciate what you did for me. I appreciate the opportunity that you gave me. But, um, you know, or I have a I have another trainer that is a really good friend of mine that I can refer you to. Now, again, I'm I'm I want to lose money. It's fine. But I want to still help this person. I don't I don't want to make it about me. I don't want to make it like, oh, my God, you know what? They couldn't get to their goal because I suck or they suck and it's whatever. It's basically saying to them, um, I still care about your goals. I still care about you getting, you know, into that space. It's not about me. You know, it's not always about me. And it shouldn't be. And lastly, because I, I don't have that many things that I hate about the business or don't like, but um, you're always going to feel like, and this might just be a, a thing that's maybe my thing, you're always going to feel like when you come across certain trainers, you're going to feel like they think that they are more educated than you. Now, that might be a fact that they may have studied far more than you, but everything you say or everything you do might seem like it's 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 the wrong thing or you know that's not the school of thought that we're doing that's not that's not how we do things what be confident be confident in what you're doing it doesn't matter if it looks like something to someone else they're not working with your client you are they're not you're not training them you're training your you know yourself or you're training your client in every aspect and every walk of life, we have people like that. They just kind of feel like they're an expert on everything. When they should be expert on shutting the fuck up. But it happens. It happens. Everyone, everyone wants to tell everyone how to do their, how to do their thing. And it's crazy. But it's a very rewarding career. Um, I've met a lot of great people, celebrities, ball players. Um, I've met. Um, a lot of people in my in my little time doing this. And the thing that I always um, remember 
I had a trainer friend tell me, a coworker tell me, ex coworker tell me, that the difference between you and LeBron James trainer is that they know that they know LeBron James. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, if you look at the videos, if you look at some of his programming, you know, I'm not picking on LeBron James trainer, but I'm I'm saying like, there's no secret sauce. There's no something different that this person is doing. They just have the opportunity to work with a world class athlete that they're probably friends with, or someone introduced them to LeBron. And they become a trainer. Because any anytime a person feels that you can help them be better at something, they'll pay you for it. Trust and believe this is a fact. They'll pay you to do that. They'll, oh, I heard you work with LeBron James. Can you help me? And LeBron might be a different animal, the way he does things, his drive, his motivations, you know, his killer instincts or whatever. You know, but you want LeBron James' trainer. I want the guy that trains LeBron James. It's crazy. The dude that does Marvel um, superheroes, the uh, the trainer, he's, I think he's an ex-Navy SEAL. <clears throat> he, he trains all those guys from Marvel. He started out with one or two of them, and then people, you know, word got out really quickly that, yo, this guy is an amazing trainer. And from what I understand from watching some of his um, his videos, the things that he has them doing, you know, again, no secret sauce, but he he is killing them. He is doing his thing. And they don't even know what the programming is. Like, they just show up and he's like, hey, you got to look like this in about 90 days. Let's get to work. And I like that because it's a, it's always a, a, a element of uh, mystery there when you do that. All right. Thank you today for choosing the manual. Um, I'll have some more talks about the life of a personal trainer and what goes on in this world. But I'll, I'll have some more in-depth comment. I'm sorry, content about actual training principles, um, you know, lifts, uh, nutrition advice, things of that nature. So I look forward to kind of building um, a couple of shows around fitness and health, wealth. Have a great day.